To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Weekend Collective podcast from Newstalk ZB. Yesterday uh, in central Auckland, hundreds of people waving Palestinian flags were protesting, calling for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Um, it's also been reported that Hamas has freed two American hostages and expectations are growing that Israel is readying for an offensive into Gaza itself, which is now under siege. It has now been two weeks since that attack on Israel by Hamas from the Gaza Strip where and I think it's reported now at least 1,400 Israelis were killed. There's far more who have been killed now on the Palestinian side. Uh, and also 199 hostages were taken uh, President Joe Biden addressed the hostages via an X slash Twitter video, uh, saying we're going to get you all out, God willing. Well, good luck. And to discuss that is International Relations Professor at Otago University, Robert Patman. Good afternoon, Robert. Good afternoon, Tim. Uh, I must, it's tough for the first question. Okay, what's the purpose of the siege and what will it achieve, if anything? That's a very good question. Um First of all, it's basically an extended siege. And what I mean by that is that before the appalling terror attack by Hamas on Israel on the 7th of October, for 17 years previously, the Gaza Strip, one of the most populated areas in the world, more than 2.3 billion, uh, people, 2.3 million people in an area which is about 300 kilometres square, mm. um, it had been subject to a 17-year blockade. So... Life was pretty grim there for 17 years. And what do we mean by grim? Well, about 50% of able-bodied people did not have employment and about 80% of the population Mm. depended on food aid. So when the siege was officially imposed, um, uh, within hours after the terror attack, what are we talking about? We're talking about water, fuel and food being cut off. Mm. So 2.3 million people for the last two weeks have not... Those necessities. Yeah. At the same time, they've had more than 6,000 bombs dropped on them. Yeah. So uh, we have a little bit of hope with Friday's announcement that 20 trucks are going to be allowed in. So far, only a few have gone in. But to put that in perspective, mm. the UN calculates a population of that size needs 450 trucks a day. Okay. Is it still a given that Israel will go into Gaza? It looks that way. Um, but it, it, interestingly, the time frame seems to have been extended. And we've had a succession of Western leaders. We had uh, uh, Mr. Biden that you mentioned in your introduction uh, visiting. And then we had uh, uh, Sunak, the, Mr. Sunak, the British Prime Minister, and also Olaf Scholz, the German leader. Visit and some people speculated all these visits are extending the timeline before the ground offensive. But you can interpret it in another way that Israel is just methodically preparing the ground, both in terms of its bombing campaign to clear the way and also uh, getting all the necessary logistical bits and pieces in place to unleash the ground offensive. But it's it's a very dangerous situation. What is the risk of it? The the real risk of the conflict widening uh, outside of. Um those two obvious I think players. It, I, think it's, I think it's substantial. And the reason I think it's substantial is that although Israel, and I think Mr. Biden thinks the world 
is supporting their stance. Uh, I, I think the evidence is mounting that many people around the world, including possibly in this country, uh, I was interested in your remarks about the demonstrations in Auckland, believe that, well, Israel's got the right to self-defence. I think most people think that's fine. They think that's absolutely right, that Israel has the right to bring to account those people responsible for the terror attack. Where that permission stops, or where there is limits, is that not the civilian population of Gaza, which had nothing to do with the terror attack, should not be punished, and they clearly are being punished. Well, that's innocent and, people on both sides. Yes. That's the thing, isn't it? And the Palestinians... Yes. And, oh, yeah, I know. And that, that's two, the, two wrongs don't make a right, do they? Oh, no, that's the thing. But I, I don't know how... What on earth can actually Israel do when you have a, a, a an organisation like Hamas that just melt into the civilian population... And you know, there's no undertaking that they they think their job's done. I mean, they want to they want to no, see Israel wiped off the map. Yeah, I agree. There's no military solution to a political problem, and the problem is political. Yeah. It's, the problem is the self. Palestinians have been denied their right of political self determination. When I can say the word phrase, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. essentially, one way of squeezing the influence of an extremist group like the Tamas mm. terrorist group is to actually recognise the Palestinians' right to self-determination. After all, yeah. there is considerable evidence that most Palestinian civilians have no love, those ones in Gaza, have no love. For, well, no, I mean, uh, they throw uh, the opposition off buildings. That's how they win the election, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but the point is, if you're a Palestinian, yeah, this 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 proportionate retaliation that's going on at the moment is not going to make Israel more secure in the future. If anything, no. it's only going to intensify the determination of a new generation of Palestinians Isn't to engage in some sort of violent retribution. And so the yeah. cycle of tit for tat violence mm. goes on. Isn't the problem that also that the the people who pretend to have the interests at the Palestinians at at heart. Uh, yeah. And the Iranians and other countries, all actually, uh, unfortunately, my my cynical view is that they're just useful pawns for um, an ideology that wants to see Israel eradicated. So, that, so can it ever be fixed? I think it can be fixed. I think problems created by human beings can be solved by human beings. Yeah, and I think it's possible to reconcile. Israel's legitimate desire for security yeah. with recognising Palestinians' right to self-determination and the state of their own. Yeah. I do not think those things are irreconcilable. The question is, though, unfortunately, we have extremist voices now mm. amongst Israelis and amongst Palestinians in the ascendancies. And in a sense... Yeah. Uh, well, that's you politics know, now. There was, there, was, there was a window of hope in the 90s, Tim, when yeah. there was talk about a two-state solution. Mm. Unfortunately, Rezik, uh, Yazak Rabin was assassinated by a right-wing nationalist extremist in Israel. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, the negotiator, we'd never got back on track, really, in terms of getting a serious negotiation going between the Palestinians and the Israelis. We come close, uh, mm. but it, 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 since then, and particularly, if I may say so, in the 21st century, the Palestinian issue has been sidelined. And yeah. to be fair, you, I think you're absolutely right. I think many external parties in the Middle East, such as the Iranians, and, and also to some degree other Arab states, 
they have been negligent in trying to defend the rights of the Palestinians. They mm. see they're, they're motivated by geopolitical reasons. Yeah. Iran wants to extend its re, it, its influence in the Middle East, and it sees the Palestinian cause as a, a, a vehicle for doing so. You know, so I, I'm not convinced yeah. the Iranians care much about the Palestinians. Yeah, and you could say that about a number of Arab states as well. But I, I, I come back to what we spoke about earlier. Sooner or later, um, I think the United States and Israel has to recognise that the application of military force well, may work. be counterproductive. Yeah. And act, uh, it needs to be targeted at those responsible for the terror attacks. I, no one has a problem with Israel and the Americans going after Hamas. The problem is that we've got large-scale uh, it just mm. well you uh, the, you, the, the yeah. problem is is you, you might kill every member of Hamas but in doing so you're going to create sow the seeds for future generations to have the same yes because in killing so many members of Hamas you're going to kill a lot of civilians yeah exactly and that, that and that uh, that basically you know let's be quite clear terrorism is a political struggle there's not a military solution you have to discredit the ideas of Hamas is this the best way of discrediting Hamas? No. Um, okay, well, um, just on Biden, um, and obviously the USA supports Israel and, and Israel's right <clears> to <throat> exist, which is the, you know, one of the big problems, but not one of the problems. It's, it's, no, core, it's core I think to, the right uh, to exist is no, fine. That, no, that, not, that came out totally wrong. It's, um, but they are supporting Israel. Um, are there any nuances in the way Biden has been communicating his, his wishes? What do you make of how he's been... Sort of, I, I think Mr. Biden actually, um, I was surprised because I think he's handled the Ukrainian crisis well. And he did it with quite considerable caution, with steadily increasing support for oh. Ukraine after the Russian invasion. He hasn't shown the same sense of proportion, I think, with regard to the terror attacks oh. on uh, Israel. He has cautioned Mr. Netanyahu he said America made mistakes after 9-11, mm. and he urged Israel not to make the same mistakes. But that's sort of what I call coded language. I think he, what he should have said is that he fully, America fully supports Israel's right to self-defense, but also that self-defense must be conducted within the parameters of human, respect for humanitarian law and also international law so that innocent civilians are not targeted in the process. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking again because uh, it's not going to be over overnight, is it, um, Robert? No. But I really appreciate your time this afternoon and, and your Thank insight. Thank you, Tim. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you very much. That is Robert Patman. For more from the Weekend Collective, listen live to News Talk ZB weekends from 3 p.m. or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.